and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. On today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to author extraordinaire Barbara D. Barbara D is the award-winning author of 14, 14 middle-grade novels, all published by Simon & Schuster. Her books have earned several starred reviews and have been named to many best-of lists, including the Washington Post's Best Children's Books, ALA Notable Children's Books, ALA Rise, a feminist book project list, School Library Journal's Best Middle Grade Books, and the ALA Rainbow List Top 10. Her books appear on numerous state award lists as well. Barbara graduated magna cum laude from Yale with honors in English. She, she has a master's degree from Middlebury College's Breadloaf School of English and a JD degree from the University of Chicago Law School, where she was an associate editor of the Law Review. She's taught high school English and has practiced law. Barbara is one of the founders and a former board member of the Chappaqua Children's Book Festival, now the largest children's book festival in the country. Barbara is an incredible individual who started her professional writing career after her children were grown, specifically after she got some very helpful and direct and constructive feedback in a rejection letter she sent for her first manuscript, which eventually became the book Just Another Day in My Insanely Real Life. She took the feedback developed the manuscript, sent it on through, it got picked up, and she's never looked back. Barbara and I get into a conversation about her latest book, Unstuck, and about advice authors, aspiring authors, and other people can can take from the book and how to not get stuck in their writing life. Before we get to the conversation, I do need to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by... Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And by Self Unbound. Your quality of life And by Self Unbound, your quality of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.selfunbound.com. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Barbara D is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm very excited to speak to her. She's author extraordinaire and truly an inspiration in how you can learn from uh, sort of past interactions, past mistakes, and and really uh, infuse it into something incredible. Barbara D. Barbara, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. I, I led with uh, what I mentioned about uh, someone that is truly an inspiration because when I was reading about you ahead of our time together today, 
I thought it was re- uh, there was something that I keyed in on, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take us down sort of this little journey, and then I'll pull us back and start the episode proper. Um, but there was something that was so interesting about uh, your bio when you were talking about your early career in writing professionally, right? So before you you were first picked up by Simon and Schuster and published, you had a note where you wrote the manuscript to your first book. And you had submitted it to a couple of a couple of different uh, uh, entities, and they had rejected the manuscript. But they wrote such detailed rejection letters that you were able to take the lessons from what they provided, apply it to an updated manuscript, and then turn it around. And Simon Schuster wanted it and were able to pick it up. And so I say all, all of that because I think so many of us. I'm very much talking about myself in this situation, it's really easy to hear the rejection and the feedback and only hear no and not hear, "Mm, let's just adjust this and then you'd be fine. What were your memories of receiving those rejection letters at that particular point in time? I was devastated. <laughs> you know, when when you're st- actually, I was going to say when you're starting out as a writer, you're very fragile, but you always are fragile sure. as a writer. You're always insecure. I have my 14th book about to come out and I'm still insecure about it. I mean, that's just the nature of the profession. But you're especially fragile when your first book comes out or actually when it's not a book yet, but when you've submitted your first manuscript and you're getting that first round of feedback, you know, you expect some rejection, you're warned that you're going to get some rejection, but when it actually happens, in those days, um, you actually got a rejection letter. Nowadays, you know, you get a rejection email. or right. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I actually had letters, um, and, I, and I saved those letters, and then I... St- I started to realize that um, these letters were a gift because, you know, editors are very busy people. And most of the time, if they're reading a book and they don't want to sign it up as a book to, to be published, they'll read the first, you know, two or three pages and then throw it in a stack of other rejected manuscripts. So for a, an editor to take the time to write you a letter saying what they like, what they think needs development, um, suggesting possible paths, it, it's an extraordinary gift. And when I realized that, when I had that revelation, um, I thought, you know, this is actually quite encouraging. And one day I sat down in my living room at the coffee table and I spread all those rejection letters out on the table in front of me and I looked at all of them and I thought, what can I use? What can I take from these letters? And I wrote another version of the manuscript based on these um, bits of advice. And, you know, sure enough, that became my first published book. They talk about, and they, I mean the, the, the large collective they, right? Not, um, not Simon & Schuster or other publishing houses, right? But the collective, I think, they um, talk about feedback is a gift, right? I mean, people right. mention that quite a bit. And it is so incredibly difficult to go, 
yes, 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 give me more of that feedback so I can develop. Right. It's so, uh, yes, always fragile. And yet the biggest pieces of growth, I think, that we as individuals have in our lives is when someone takes the time to say, look, this is going well, this isn't going well, this is what could be shifted, this maybe need to just throw it away, right? And then exactly. take all of that together. It's so difficult to not take any of that personally. Oh, and it still is. I mean, you know, every time you write a book, you give it to your editor and you wait for that editorial letter in which your editor says, all those things, you know, this, this needs more work, I was confused by that, this character needs more development, I would, you know, um, and when you receive that letter, your first impulse is to say, oh, no, <laughs> she hated my book. But, you know, you have to get into that mind frame where you realize that the editor is on the same team as you, and you are working together to make the book as good as it can be. And, you know, I get to that point very quickly now where, you know, I don't feel attacked. I feel energized and grateful because I feel like I've I've taken the first step with this story and now somebody is going to help me take the next step and we're working on this together. And again, what a gift that is. Yeah. So I love I love the revision process. I I I love that feedback. And I always tell kids. If you know, it's very important to be able to share your work, even if it's not, you know, finished, even if you're not sure about it, it doesn't do you any good to keep it locked up in your desk drawer. You have to be able to share it with people. And if when you share it with people, all you hear is, oh, it's great. It's wonderful. I love it. They're actually not helping. Right. They're not. <laughs> it, it's much better to hear, you know, some negative feedback that's, you know, lovingly um, expressed so that you can work together to make the, the book as good as it can be. There's a moment in my book, Unstuck, where she finally shares her story with her friend. And um, she's terrified at what she's going to hear. She's very nervous. And the friend says some stuff that um, she's a little confused by. But she realizes that her friend is actually giving her a gift, helping her make her story better. And it's it's a moment of real growth for her. I'm go we're going to get into Unstuck because I want I want to dive down into it. And it's your latest release that's coming out on February 27th. And so for folks that are listening to this, if they haven't already gotten it, I think you can pause this episode, go pre-order it. Get ready <laughs> to have it, ready to go when it releases, and then you can come back and, and finish the episode, <laughs> of course. Um, but I want to welcome everyone more officially to the Detox Podcast. Here at the Detox Podcast, we like to invite people to quote-unquote detox from the world around them, get a window into how other people live their lives. And I usually start every episode with this question, but I really, I think for me, the concept of purposefully applying intentionally helpful feedback is something that's very top of mind for me lately. And I really, I just wanted to, I I've been marinating on that one for a while. And I went, I, w I just want to, let's start, let's start it out there and then we'll come back around and we'll, we'll hit all of, all of the important stuff. So thank you for allowing me to deviate right from the format <laughs> a little bit, Barbara. Um, but I do like to ask guests on the show 
And and Barbara, I will pose this question to you. What are you currently detoxing? I'm using air quotes here from. Oh, um, from from work, actually. Mm -hmm. I just went through a major round of revision with my next book, which will be out in February of 2025. And when you're doing a revision on a on a book, you have to go into a revision cave. You have to tune out absolutely <laughs> everything and just focus on the manuscript um, that you're working on. And, you know, you have to keep in your head that on page 63, you changed a comma that's going to come back to haunt you on page 150. You know, you have to keep the whole book. It's such an intense experience that you have to tune out everything else. And so when that experience is over <laughs> and you come out of your cave with <laughs> a dazed expression, you um, do things like you clean your house, <laughs> and you talk to people, right. you introduce yourself to your husband and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> read a book that has nothing to do with what you're working on and listen to music and yeah. take a walk and meet a friend for coffee, you know. So that's what I'm detoxing from. <laughs> Uh, and so I could see, I could see a picture, right? I could see this cave and then, you know, yep. you coming out of it and like, what, what day is it? What <laughs> exactly. year is it? Have I already <laughs> missed my release date? What is happening? Right. <laughs> exactly. It's an intense thing, yeah. but I go through it every time. And, um, fortunately my husband understands that he shouldn't try to talk to me <laughs> during that period because I'm not going to make much sense. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> just like this is the process this is part yep. of it right yep. we've, been, we've been through this 14 15 exactly. times now it's all right <laughs> yep yep oh uh, that's incredible i am i appreciate you sharing that i think um the the concept of work or or some facets of work is is what i'm currently detoxing from as well for me it's interesting, and I think this ties into our feedback discussion a moment ago a little bit is what I would say, and I think this is probably why that particular piece was top of mind for me, was I've historically always positioned my skill set uh, in a work environment as um, an addition to somebody else's good work. So just really downplaying a lot of my abilities and accomplishments because I really grew up in an environment where I was you know, taught and I grew up very religious. I'm not religious anymore. I'm spiritual. I've talked about this on the show before, but this concept of I as an individual am not ever going to be good enough. So ergo, everything you do, you should downplay it because it's not about right. you. It's not about you. And I think there, <laughs> I've taken it to the extreme and I'm still unlearning a lot of those sort of built-in habits uh, now at 36, right? It's still, it's still hard to unwind some of that. Um, but I think some of those pieces, the idea of it's not about you, you're contributing to something greater, that's good. I like that. And I've carried that through. But the idea of so therefore I have to lower myself in order to get by has been something that I've been having a really hard time unlearning. So what I'm currently detoxing from is the idea where I need to downplay my accomplishments right. or my skill sets and not to brag, right? That's the whole other extreme of it. Right. But just to say... This is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. This exactly. Is what I can deliver, and this is why it's of value for you, company right. or people. And that's been, it's been really hard. So to hear you have sort of the feedback, which I always crave, 
right? Because I feel like the feedback that I've gotten from my accomplishments forever has been like, you're great, you're great, great. And I'm like, that's hollow and empty and does me no good. Exactly. But recently starting to get feedback that this is really good. This seems like you're off base. I think if you work on it, then you can turn it into something that's incredible. That is something where it's, it's invaluable. You can't put a price on that type of quality, constructive feedback. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's wonderful when you get someone's real attention, you know, and it's when, when someone is really focused on your work, um, they're not going to just give you platitudes and, and just say all the good stuff, because if they are saying that, then they're not really paying attention. Right. When they when they notice no, it's true. When they notice all the little stuff, then you then you're, you know, they're they're honoring you. Mm-hmm. Well said, because they're taking the time, yes, to dig in, right, and not just say I don't like this, but to actually say, this is what's not resonating with me, right, and I think. Were you to take it to this next level, exactly, it might start to resonate with me, but I know it's going to resonate with so many more people. That's right. Mm-hmm. I love that. I want to talk about your background writing. I know you always had this idea growing up, or at least that's what I read, right? That you wanted to be a children's author. Um, I have a uh, eight eight and a half, almost nine-year-old aspiring author myself. Oh. <laughs> she is an aspiring author and illustrator yesterday, or maybe it was, we are recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, this was on Sunday. So two days ago, she went into, and my, my sister got my kids this this incredible indoor like play tent. And it's, it's, it's massive. And for some, it has this calming effect. I've gone in to play with them as well. And when I go in the tent, you just feel calm when you're inside and excited and creative. And I don't know, you could also like lay down and take a nap. I may or may not have done that, right? You know, during the holidays, <laughs> I'm just saying. But she went in the tent and zipped it up and then came out with a fully completed book. Um, wow. We're really into Bluey right now in the household. And so she wrote her own Bluey episode and then drew and illustrated uh, the characters as well. And, and then presented it as like, I just, hey, uh, here's this book that I found. And then, huh, what do you know? And I'm like, this is incredible. So so knowing that that was sort of maybe your grow, your growing up, I want to hear from you. What were some of those early days like uh, for Barbara? I was that kind of kid. I was an obsessive reader. Um, I read books like um, Little Women, Wrinkle in Time, Harriet the Spy, the yes, Narnia books. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Harriet yeah. the Spy, yes, 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 and of course Narnia, yes, because of course, yes. Nar- oh my gosh, Harriet the Spy, I've lost. That was Narnia one of my favorite. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's, Anyways, absolutely. Um, and I wrote a lot. Um, I think Harriet the Spy was one of the books that you know encouraged me to write because she was a writer. Right. She would walk around noticing things and taking notes in her little notebook and um, getting into trouble because of it, but. Um, I I was always writing um, and I was the kind of kid <laughs> my mom would say, go out and play, <laughs> stop reading. <laughs> um, 
so I was a very good student and um, an English major in college. And when I graduated from college, I was a high school English teacher for five years. And then I thought that I should try to spread my wings a little bit. So I went to law school um, at the University of Chicago, which was not fun. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I practiced law for a couple of years. And then when my first baby was born, I have three kids. When my first was born, I took an extended maternity leave from my law firm and did not return. And I had two more babies. And when the youngest was was starting school, I thought, okay, here's my chance to see if I could get published. I've always wondered if I could. I always wanted to take that route. And if it doesn't turn out, then I'll go back to being a teacher or a lawyer or I'll figure something else out. But I owe it to myself to find out if I can get published. So I wrote a manuscript. Um and that's the one that got all of those encouraging rejections. And I just felt like I was so close to, you know, getting an accept an acceptance that I really owed it to myself to try, you know, another another um, manuscript. So that's the second one is the one that got published. And then fast forward, you've had the, is Unstuck your fourteenth? Yes. Book? Okay. So you've got unstuck. And first of all, like that's incredible, right? So you always had this idea of writing. You went to school. You taught a little bit. You practiced law. Just, you know, yep. it, what feels randomly thrown in there, but I'm sure at the time <laughs> made a lot of sense, right? Not really. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, it was a mistake. I, I regret it. It like, was a mistake. I kind of feel, sorry, it kind of feels a little bit like if you were to line it, you know, like two truths and a lie. It's like, which one of these was a lie? I'd be like, oh, the lawyer. And you're like, no, actually, right? <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, that was a mistake. <laughs> well, but I will say, but now, you know, you moved on, you've got sort of that knowledge to, to draw on a little bit um, for your next, you know, um, law novel that you're going to write. Um, right, true right. Crime thriller? No. Um, and so, <laughs> but now you've got this incredible book, Unstuck, that's coming out on February 27th. And again, this is your another plug. If you haven't pre-ordered the book, you can pause this episode. You can go pre-order it, come back. You can finish the episode. Um, but please go ahead and pre-order it. Pre-orders always help incredible authors. It helps drive the numbers up, which shows the publishers and all of the other people that are looking that there's high interest in this particular author in this particular book. So that way people like Barbara can continue to write incredible and incredible and incredible books. So uh, that's the Thanks plug. Thanks for saying that. Of course. Well, yes, of course. So again, pause this episode, go pre-order it, and then come back. Um, talk to us about Lila within Unstuck and how she is wanting to write a specific book. And then you did give us a little bit of a peek about, about getting the feedback from a friend, but, but set the stage for us as to a little bit about the book. And then I'm going to ask you a couple questions uh, from there. Okay. So Lila is a seventh grader who is a voracious reader. um, And what she reads is fantasy novels. She's obsessed with them. She's read them all. And since um, the end of sixth grade, she's been constructing a fantasy novel in her head. It's very elaborate. It's incredibly complex. And um, she is lucky enough to have fantastic teacher in seventh grade ELA who gives them a period 
of time every day to do some creative writing. And so Lila thinks, okay, here's my big chance to get this story that I've been working on in my head, finally down on paper. But she quickly becomes um, stuck. She quickly develops what we call writer's block. Mm -hmm. And that's because she's pressuring herself to do justice to all the fantasy novels that she's read. She feels like she has to do an incredible amount of, of world building before she can even start her story. She's trying to impress certain people, like her friend who's pulling away. Um, she's trying to impress her parents because they are very focused on her superstar older sister, who's a high school senior, supposedly applying to college, but apparently resisting the process of writing her college essay. Um, and Lila is trying to win a local creative writing contest. So she's got all these, pre oh, plus she's trying to impress this wonderful teacher. So she's got all these, these different pressures on her and it they're all contributing to her writer's block. But the good news for Lila is that she has a fantastic teacher who is determined to get her writing unstuck. That's incredible. I, I want to ask you sort of what was your motivation or really idea for coming up with this particular book and then the character of Lila? Well, you know, I talk to kids a lot, um, middle schoolers. I visit a lot of schools and I was noticing that every time there was a Q&A, one kid or more than one kid would ask, how do you deal with writer's block? Mm. Um, so I was thinking, boy, that that's really interesting that that so many kids are asking these questions. And sometimes after the Q&A, a, a teacher will email me and say, you know, I was really glad that kid X asked that question because that kid's very bright, very verbal, big reader and struggling with writing mm. for some reason. Also, I was getting a lot of emails from kids saying, you know, I'm writing a epic story I'm, I'm it's going to be you know um a series but i'm i'm on page six and i can't get past it do you have any advice so i was realizing that you know a lot of kids especially in the post harry potter days mm. um are are reading these epic 600 page right. books and they feel you know and also you know after um lord of the rings you know yeah. we're, we're in an age where fantasy is is very popular with certain kind of kids and they are very inspired which is wonderful they want to produce works on their own but you know it's a lot to measure up to and yeah. and and also the other aspect of of unstuck is is about academic pressure and the need to constantly have to prove yourself um and and to be judged <laughs> um, because it's not just Lila's writing that's stuck in unstuck. It's also she feels stuck in relationships and other kids are stuck in the way that um, kids perceive them. So, you know, th there's a lot of um, when you're in middle school, you're constantly being judged and you have to figure out ways to sort of um, break through those obstacles. There was something that you mentioned that I want to click down on for a moment. And I, I think it's so relevant in the post Harry Potter world. 
we have been, we as consumers, and especially kids coming up and reading, I mean, the aspiring author and illustrator that I talked about that's in my house, right, <laughs> is um, fully in the, on the journey of Harry Potter, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she's read books one through three. We had held off in the other books because we, you know, that's when things start to get a little bit more serious. And so right. we were trying to just allow her to enjoy for a little bit. But now she's like, knocking on the door and it's like I'm I'm nine which is basically a teenager which is pretty <laughs> much grown up it's like all right all right so she'll probably get to read them later on this year but in in that era to your point there is there, it's hard to find non sort of grand epic sweeping stories yep. with multiple multiple books and series and spinoffs I mean we we talked about Narnia earlier right and right. so Narnia was was a, a series and also it while it was grand and sweeping from a world perspective it also was not these 600 page novels either. exactly so I want to say how do you how when when these kids sort of had these grand ambitions and you're talking with them how do you help them ground their expectations just a bit in order for them to get over that block and start writing the story that they want to write well I think probably the most um, helpful piece of advice that the teacher gives Lila in Unstuck is write your feelings. Mm. And by that, she means, you know, stay close to the character, pick a character, don't write a mil from a million different characters' perspectives, you know, constantly changing with every chapter. Pick one character that you identify with and stay close to that character's feelings and incorporate your own feelings so that you really know who that character is and you're expressing something important about yourself. And I think, you know, that that's a hard thing for kids to grasp, but I think it could be incredibly helpful if they're if their ambitions are very big and panoramic and they're trying to write, you know, do a, a lot of very complicated world building. It's really important to focus on character and emotion. Well said. I mean, people have, you know, it, it's a it's a bit of a cliche, but I, I don't think it makes it any less true where people say, write what you know, right? Right. And what do you know what more I than anything else is yourself. What I say is not write what you know, but write what you feel. There you go. That's so much better. I like it. Because ki kids don't know a lot, you know. And, I mean, and, yeah. <laughs> and also, I think sometimes... I mean, I, this certainly has happened to me, and it certainly happened with my second book. I felt like I didn't know enough about the topic, so I had to do a bunch of research. And the more research I did, the more research I felt I needed to do. And that was how I got a little bit stuck. Um, and the way that I got over that um, writer's block was by focusing on the character and not on the research. So for me, you know... That was my version of of overly complicated world building. So I don't I don't um, I don't encourage the write what you know cliche. I like write what you feel, especially because of the fact that what you feel is going to show up very authentic when you're writing, right. because it's coming from a place of deep feeling. Exactly. Like exactly. That. And for me, that's the most important thing to write um, 
to write a character that is identifiable for a kid um, that that sounds like a kid that thinks like a kid that has a kid's voice that is not perfect you know I I, I have a hard time when I'm reading a, a book and and a kid is nothing but adorable and spunky I like to write kids in this middle grade age who um, are typical middle schoolers which means that you know they're complicated and yep. sometimes they're moody and sometimes <laughs> they're they have wrong ideas about things and they can be judgmental and you know they're they're not just one thing and sometimes they're they're a little rough around the edges yeah but i think that makes them authentic and i think that's that authenticity is the single most important thing to be striving for even if you're writing fantasy i couldn't agree more especially i think it's so I, well, I'll say it this way. I think it's easy for people, the more that we get away from those middle grade years, the easier it is to forget how in between and stuck we yep. feel. You're not a kid anymore, but yep. you're not an adult. Yep. What do you do with all of these feelings, right? It's very difficult. It's a little bit of, I heard someone the other day talk about it. It can be a little bit of the moodiness can be a, a, a in a way grieving of of the childhood being left behind, right? Right, right. And, and the feeling of that that was the comfort, that was the safe space. Now I gotta learn new things and and figure out new friend groups and new interests that I have. What do I do with that? Can I go back or can I not go back? What does that even look like? And I think. I'm even speaking now from my own personal perspective. I think we tend to revisit some things that were so um, meaningful to us in in later on in childhood because it almost felt like, I know for me, I didn't get a chance to really kind of put a close on that chapter when I went into the middle grade years. It was like, oh, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. I'm over here. I'm trying to be cool. I'm trying to you know fit in and, and not stand out and all those things. And then now it's like, Okay, well, you can like what you like, and it's okay, and it doesn't matter. Like, it's not a big deal. But at the time, it's monumental. So I really love how you've written students who, in this age group, are real and relatable and not, you know, a kid on, like, a, a sitcom TV show that shows up and right, says the right exactly. thing and gets a laugh and is gone, right? Ex exactly. Exactly. I want to ask you, as as we're we're starting to wind down a little bit, I want to ask, what do you want people to walk away from reading Unstuck? What do you want them to take away from having read the book? Um, I guess one of the, one of the things is you know knowing that getting stuck is absolutely part of the creative process. It's survivable just like breaking up with your best friend is survivable. <laughs> um, you know, that these are, these are things that people go through and there isn't just once, you know, um, one size fits all solutions to it. Everybody has different um, strategies. And in the back of the book, I list 25 strategies to when, you know, I get stuck things that help me. Um, but the teacher in, in unstuck, often tells Lila, you know, that she's learning different strategies for getting unstuck along with Lila. And Lila should just keep 
being flexible and trying different things and some things will work and some things won't work. And, you know, you just have to find what works for you. And I think that that's a lesson that's not just about writing. It's about anything that kids this age are going through, you know, just keep, stay open-minded, try different things, different solutions, different strategies. Some things will work, some things won't. And if something doesn't work, try something else. Well said. All right. February 27th, 2024 is when it's releasing. Go and pre-order Unstuck. It's incredible. It's wonderful. And I would ask you this final question before we head into the final segment of the show. Um, you've talked quite a bit about incredible advice for new authors, aspiring authors, etc. Is there maybe one particular lesson that you've learned in your incredible career that might help an aspiring author that's listening or possibly upstairs asleep if you're in my house? <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people have the idea that what writers do is sit in front of their computers all day long. Um, but actually, that's just one part of the process. You have to talk to people. You have to talk in front of people. You have to interview people. You have to, you know, read books you have to um, work with a, with with editors and an editing team on a revision process. It's often I tell kids writing is not a solo sport; it's a team sport. And <laughs> so, you know, it's a great thing to go through. It's a great career to have if you're an introvert like me. But you can't just. I, I, at the beginning, I spoke about my revision cave. You can't really stay in that cave very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, for one, it, it starts to smell after a while, right? So you've got to get some <laughs> air in the cave. No, I get, <laughs> but yes, to your point, right? It is something where it is, it is. Um, there's team dynamics within a lot of the work and, and effort that you do. Well, this is incredible. Barbara, thank you so much. We are going to transition to the final segment of the show. It's a segment that I like to call Things to Check Out. Uh, it is a segment where I provide a list, uh, I and invite my guests as well, provide a list of something to read, watch, and or listen to that is beyond the incredible stuff that we talked about today. We talked about Unstuck. You've got 13 other great books that we didn't even scratch the surface on that folks can go <laughs> check out. Um, I presume if they go to your website, barbaradbooks.com, they yes. can take a look at them and then get some links and go order them directly. So there you go. Um, let's prioritize Unstuck and then you can get the rest of them. Um, but yeah, so I will go first and provide a recommendation, something to read, watch and or listen to. And then Barbara, I'll invite you in to, as well. Um, to TV. So I tried to keep my recommendations in in the realm of fantasy because of the fact that that's sort of the theme of, of Unstuck. And so um, my wife and I just finished, I know it released late last year, but we just finished season two of Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime. And my wife is currently in the midst of reading the Wheel of Time series. I have not read them, um, but the TV show is incredible. There was some really grand sweeping epic scenes this season. There was some you know, heartwarming scenes. There was a lot of wrenching of, of, you know, just emotions with all the things that the characters are put into. So I highly recommend that for something to watch. Um, book, I am, uh, you know, uh, I'm a sucker for a Michael Crichton novel. 
One of the ones that my mother-in-law turned me on to was Timeline, and I've really enjoyed that book. It is about uh, a set of scientists who time travel and go back to, I forget what century, but it is when there's the big like French knights and castles and everything, and uh, it sounds cool. And then what I appreciate about Michael Crichton was he sort of laid out what these situations would truly look like if they were to actually happen and how uh, scary and devastating it could be to go back centuries to an entire different time when there wasn't medicine and people didn't speak your language and violence was the norm. Uh, All very uh, terrifying. And then the last thing, something to listen to. We mentioned Narnia. Um, There is a series, I don't recall who did it, um, but they they did audio dramas of the Chronicles of Narnia that were very good. There's the audiobooks as well, but there were audio drama versions of all of the Chronicles of Narnia that I really enjoyed um, as as a kid. So I would recommend those. So uh, Barbara, what's something for the listeners to read, watch, and or listen to? Well, I'm thinking about my categories. They sort of overlap. Um, to read, you know. When I am stuck, one of my favorite things to do is to read screenplays of my favorite TV shows and movies. And I recently bought the um, screenplays for all four seasons of Succession, which I think is some of the best writing. (laughs) I love to write dialogue. So sometimes when I'm stuck, I like to read dialogue. Um, And the dialogue in Succession is just brilliant. So that would be read and watch, but also for watch the movie, The Holdovers, and then to listen to, speaking of The Holdovers, um, Paul Giamatti has an amazing podcast called Chinwag, and it's not just a typical kind of um, celebrity podcast where he interviews other celebrities about their latest movies they talk about weird stuff (laughs) like a lot of it's supernatural or it's about you know phobias and (laughs) um he's he's interviewed neil gaiman he's interviewed um actors like paul rudd um so it's it's a strange <laughs> podcast, but very entertaining and erudite. I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm going to check that out for sure. Chinwag. And, and I appreciate you reminding me. You reminded me of a couple things I just wrote down. Succession, that's a show I have not watched, but I have... I have on the top of my queue, and I'm going to bump that up to, instead of top of the queue, like, watch it. Like, I'll probably start it tonight. Um, And then the other thing was, you talked about Neil Gaiman. I completely, complete, I feel like a bad a bad um, uh, nerd in this way in that I forgot that Sandman dropped on Netflix some time ago, um, and I've been woefully absent in watching that so I, I will rectify that very quickly so thank you barbara for your wonderful recommendations as well and the holdovers i have on my uh peacock watch list as well so i gotta i gotta watch that one is gotta get busy yeah i know <laughs> i'll have to squeeze it in somewhere all right um well barbara if people want to follow you and see what you're up to what's the best way for them to do that well my website is barbadybooks.com um and i would say there perfect Barbara, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. I hope people get uh, unstuck when they're reading Unstuck and also enjoy it uh, tremendously. And I look forward to having you back on the show uh, sure. to talk about the next book and then the next book and the next book. We'll just continue this conversation on okay. and on. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks. <laughs> I'd love to. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with Detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. 
If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.